Hello, listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. Listeners, it's been a week. So, to treat myself, this week is for the ladyboids. <laughs> okay, horrible accent aside, this week is another humanoid monster one, and we'll be covering bird-human hybrids. Specifically, sirens, harpies, and the three legendary bird women of Russia. We'll go over some traditional descriptions, some modern interpretations, and maybe come up with some better species of birds for these creatures to be hybridized with. Let's start off with the classic example of a bird person, the harpy. Though originally described as a bird, usually a predatory bird or an eagle, with a human face, the harpy has since become more human, generally being depicted with a human chest as well. Moving right along and ignoring why artists might want to include a female human chest, the harpies were originally two sisters, the daughters of one of the many sea gods fathered by Gaia and Pontus, Thaumus, and Electra, one of the many oceanids born to the titans Oceanus and Tethys. They are thought to have originally been wind spirits, and their collective name Harpy means snatchers. I say collective because the original two harpies also have proper names, Alo, Storm Swift, and Ossipity, the Swiftwing, though these names are, like everything in mythology, up for debate. Now, the timeline in Greek mythology is all over the place, but if we're pretending that all the titans and primordial deities all had children around the same time, this places the harpies as roughly the same age as the classic Olympian gods. But unfortunately, that doesn't mean they get treated like Olympian gods. For some inexplicable reason, the harpies when not carrying off those that killed their families to be punished by the Furies, who we will get into when we cover older gods, act under Zeus, and in the story of Jason and the Argonauts, are actually called the Dogs of Great Zeus. Despite this unfortunate demotion, the Harpies were a force to be reckoned with. When not on Zeus's payroll, the Harpies carried off people who murdered their own families to be punished. This later intensifies when Virgil gives the Harpies a new sister, Seleno, the Dark One, and they upgrade to torturing people on their way to Tartarus, the lowest level in the Grecian underworld. Now, the Harpies are generally portrayed as part eagle, or at least something with curved talons, which makes sense vis-a-vis the whole snatching evildoers thing. There's even a South American eagle species whose common name is the Harpy Eagle. But, over 1,200 bird species visit the Strophades, the islands where the harpies are reported to live, so maybe we can find a more appropriate bird based on this next anecdote about the harpies. You see, in the most famous but most often overlooked story in which harpies are the main character, the worst crime the harpies commit is snatching food out of a man's hands and then trashing the rest of the food so he can't eat it day after day. You see, in one version of the story, Phineas of Thrace was given the gift of prophecy by Zeus. To the surprise of no one, when Phineas sees the future of mankind, he starts telling anyone who will listen about it, because who doesn't want to know the future? This pisses Zeus off, because how dare Phineas use the gift that Zeus gave him as intended, and so Zeus blinds him and banishes him to an island, where every day a buffet of food magically appears. But before Phineas can eat any, the harpies come, eat all the food they possibly can, and befoul the rest. 
It doesn't go into detail about how they befoul the rest of the food, but they're part bird. Use your imagination. This goes on until the Argonauts arrive on the island, and the son of the North Wind, who can also fly, chases the bird ladies away and frees Phineas. Now, predatory birds are no strangers to stealing food. Especially in smaller species such as kestrels, you'll see birds of prey outmaneuver each other to steal kills all the time. The problem is, the text says a buffet of food. Generally, a buffet includes various foods, and a Grecian buffet would likely have consisted of meat, cheeses, fruit, bread, and maybe some wine. Now, ignoring the fact that these birdwomen are magical, if they have predatory bird stomachs, cheeses, fruits, bread, and wine are absolutely untenable. That's a lot of food left to destroy once all the meat is eaten. So the question becomes, which species of bird can handle a wide array of food? It might be tempting to start off with the common house sparrow. But as we'll get into a little later, that's actually already taken. The rock dove, which is known commonly as the average pigeon, is an equally opportunistic feeder, but it doesn't have the lifting power to carry evildoers to eternal torment. So, you might be saying, what about something from the Corvidae family? The Strophades are home to nine species of this family, including the Eurasian jay, the common magpie, the carrion crow, and the northern raven, all of which are notoriously clever food thieves, and all of which can be aggressive when provoked and have moderate carrying power. In this family, I think the carrion crow and the northern raven would be particularly nice fits, as both are very clever, aggressive birds, and both have actually been recorded stealing food from humans. But... Now, hear me out. This buffet is on an island, likely on a beach. And if you've ever been to the beach with any kind of food, corvids are the least of your problems. No, in your beach picnic version of Phineas and the Harpies, your tormentors were likely members of the family Laridae, the gull family. And don't worry, the strophades are home to 17 species, including the Mediterranean gull, the greater black-billed gull, and the most common food thief, the yellow-legged gull, all of which enjoy a wide range of human foods, work in groups to steal said food, and have great grip, as their natural prey is very slippery. Also, personal anecdote, I once saw a yellow-legged gull carry off a whole wheel of fried dough from an unwary tourist. So, yeah, natural tormentors. So, in conclusion, if you want a cool, serious-looking winged tormentor, I would recommend part woman, part corvid. But, if you want my honest opinion, I think it would be much more realistic if the harpies were part very hungry woman, part shrieking yellow-footed scourge of the beach. Let's jump to the left and go visit the other famous bird woman of Greece, the siren. Which may be confusing right off the bat. I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but until recently, when I heard the word siren, I pictured a mermaid-like creature, fins and scales and all, sitting on a jagged rock or a cliff as she combed her hair and sung sailors to their doom. Further cementing this image, the sirens are actually the daughters of the river god Achelos. But despite their parentage, nowhere in early mythology are sirens depicted as part sea creature. Instead, sirens are actually part bird, and more specifically, were most commonly depicted as part sparrow. And let me tell you, the ratio of bird to woman varies wildly. In early Greek art, sirens were depicted as birds with large woman's heads, birds' feathers, and scaly feet. In later art, sirens get more person than bird, and are represented as female figures with the legs of birds, 
wings optional, but usually carrying a musical instrument. My favorite, though, is the description from the 10th century Byzantine encyclopedia, the Suda, which describes the siren as a sparrow from the chest up with a woman's torso and legs, or little birds with women's faces? If this seems like a pretty big discrepancy to you, trust me, you're not alone. Now, like the harpies, there are actually a variable number of sirens, reported as anywhere from two to five, with three being the most common amount. Unlike the harpies, though, the story of the sirens is laced with tragedy. According to Ovid, the sirens were actually the companions of Persephone, and when she was abducted by Hades, Persephone's mother Demeter gave the sirens wings to search the earth for Persephone. In another version by Hyginus, this gift of becoming part bird is actually a curse for failing to stop Hades from kidnapping Persephone in the first place, because the sirens were there when it happened. Regardless of whether it was a blessing or a curse, in addition to becoming part bird, the sirens were also gifted with irresistible song and prophetic knowledge. To make matters sadder, this irresistibly sweet song, according to Walter Copeland Perry, a scholar on sirens, is continually calling to Persephone, even though with the gift of prophecy, they must have known she wasn't coming back. Now, to lighten up a bit, let's look at one of the most famous accounts of sirens, the one specifically that gets sirens roped in with mermaids. In Homer's Odyssey, Odysseus and his crew are on a course to pass the island where the sirens live, an island pretty famous for its sharp, shipwrecking rocks and cliffs. Odysseus knows the siren's song is irresistible, and they will definitely ram the boat into the rocks if they hear it. So, in an A-plus move, he orders the crew to put beeswax in their ears. However, Odysseus also knows that the sirens are prophetic, and the lyrics of their songs are things that will come to pass. And so, to get the scoop, Odysseus has his men tie him to the raft so he can listen to those sweet tunes without jumping overboard. This very nearly doesn't work, and Odysseus almost breaks free to get to the sirens, but in the eleventh hour both ship and Odysseus sail safely out of the song's reach, and Odysseus makes off with secret knowledge about the future. Personally, I don't know what I find funnier. View from the siren's island of a man tied to a raft just screaming? or the fact that Odysseus essentially risked life and limb just to get spoilers. What's also kind of weird about this encounter, though, is that, originally, sirens were nowhere near the sea. Early Greek writers had them in, quote, meadows starred with flowers, which would align better with the Persephone myth. Persephone was kidnapped in a meadow picking flowers, so why wouldn't the sirens hang out in the meadow, singing for a girl? It's not until later, thanks to this tidbit from Homer and later Roman writers, that sirens become associated with the sea. Now, briefly, sirens in modern tradition have become associated with seduction and the treacherous love of a woman, which I think are boring and frankly misogynistic motives spread by Christianity, so we won't be getting into that. Sorry if that's disappointing to you, but nowhere in classic literature is it depicted that the sirens were just singing to get some and ruin a man's life. Also, Nowhere is it written that their song doesn't work on women, so it's interesting to see that in modern interpretations of sirens, women are generally immune to their song. The whole cannibalism thing is still up for interpretation, though, as nowhere does it say the sirens do or don't eat people, just that there are usually a large number of corpses around them at all times. But is it really cannibalism if a siren eats a person? They're technically a different species, so I'd say no. Now, it is interesting that sirens, unlike harpies, do have a definitive species of bird that they are part. 
The sparrow was chosen specifically for its musical song, and I think that's a pretty good motive. But again, there are so many birds in Greece, especially songbirds. I think we could do better. Like, for example, instead of a sparrow, what about a trumpeter finch? They're a small bird that can live near meadows, and their song is hilarious. I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Or, even more musical and meadow-based, there are 43 species of the Sylvidae family in Greece, including the Melodious Warbler, whose song I will also include. Maybe, though, you want a more shipwreck-oriented siren. Why not a shrike? There are seven species in Greece, and all species of shrike are famous for impaling their prey for later, on thorns or fences, or whatever else is pointy and readily available. There are also three species of swan in Greece, including the whooper swan. And, well, it's pretty hard to beat a swan for looks cute but is actually deadly. And since they're aquatic, whooper swans could presumably be found by a meadow or in a pond near a beach. Whichever species fits your headcanon best, I think we can all agree that the Greeks settled on the sparrow a little too early, especially with all the cool birds they have just lying around. Last but not least, let's jump really quick to Russia and meet three very cool but sadly under-detailed birdwomen, all of which were at least partially inspired by sirens. The first birdwoman is the Gamayun. The Gamayun is portrayed as a large bird with a woman's head, not unlike early harpies. This birdwoman, though, is a symbol of wisdom and knowledge and lives on an island close to paradise in the mythical east. She does not seek out mortals, but if a mortal finds her, she may bestow secret prophetic knowledge. Sadly, there seems to be only one Gamayun, and she is often portrayed all alone. There is unfortunately very little detail about what bird the Gamayun is. However, an early painting of the Gamayun by Viktor Vasnetsov seems to suggest either a pheasant species or a particularly ornamental chicken species. Because there is so little detail about where the Gamayun lives, I would be fine with any pheasant species, as pheasants are somewhat widespread throughout the world. If you want your Gamayun to be fabulous, though, I would suggest a golden pheasant. Seriously, if you like birds, worth your time to look it up. The Alkonost is also a bird with the body of a bird, but the head of a beautiful woman. She lives near the beach and sings so incredibly beautifully that those who hear her song forget everything they've ever known and want nothing more than to hear the song again. The Alkonost, in a surprisingly bird-like move, actually lays eggs. She lays her eggs on the beach and then rolls them into the sea. When her egg hatches, instead of a baby alkanost, out comes a thunderstorm, and the sea becomes impossible to traverse for days. Can I tell you a secret? My secret, wildly inaccurate headcanon is that instead of a thunderstorm, what hatches out of these eggs are actually baby thunderbirds, hence the thunderstorm. I like this idea because I'm largely uncomfortable with an egg hatching and out comes weather, but no offspring. But that's mixing mythologies and is very, very untrue, so do not quote me on that. Now, while we don't have a definitive species for the Alkonost, I'm going to say that this bird woman is likely part kingfisher. I say this because she gets her name from a Greek demigoddess named Alcyon. Long story short, Alcyon and her husband would call each other Zeus and Hera, and that pissed the gods off. The gods wrecked her husband's ship, and she was so upset that she threw herself into the sea. The gods felt bad and turned both her and her husband into halcyons, better known as a genus of kingfisher species. In Russia, there are two species that fall under the genus halcyon, the ruddy kingfisher and the black-capped kingfisher. 
and for aesthetic's sake, I'm going with a black-capped kingfisher. Lastly, the siren. The siren is described as having the head and chest of a beautiful woman, and I am happy to say she's usually given the body of an owl. Just because ear tufts, let's go with the Eurasian eagle owl on this one. Oh, and she also usually has a crown or a nimbus. She also lives somewhere near paradise in quote-unquote Indian lands. The siren spends her days singing beautiful songs about a happy future to the saints. Unfortunately for mortals, if you hear the siren song, you'll immediately forget everything else and follow the siren around until you die, which I'm sure is very awkward for the siren. In early mythology, people would attempt to save themselves from the siren song by firing off cannons and ringing bells to scare it away. Later, around the 17th century, sirens became less deadly and it was believed that only truly happy people could hear the siren song, and even fewer could see the siren because, quote, she is as fast and difficult to catch as human happiness. Which, as any ornithologist will tell you, is a perfectly accurate metaphor for trying to find any bird ever. Well, folks, that's all for Lady Boyd's. I hope you enjoyed these beautiful bird women, and if you're curious about any of these stories, check the show notes to find out more. Intro and outro music is by Scott Ethington. Lastly, if you like what you heard, please rate and review on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best job I can to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening, and remember, anyone can be a monster.